Good morning. Had you got a good week? I didn't. It's the way it goes. In this world you will have troubles. Tuesday, Wednesday night was particularly bad. When Liverpool lost 3-1 to Spanish club. And then last night got worse. I thought for one moment United had sealed the deal with Louis van Gaal after he won the FA Cup to find out Jose Mourinho is coming to Manchester United. So not cool. Not cool at all. Are you doing okay? It's warm in here. Is it warm? What, can we do something? Put on the aircon or do something to make us feel. Open that door. Nobody leave. The door's been opened. Please. Nobody leave. I'm going to jump in today. Um, what I want to do today is I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to take one piece, one psalm today and we're going to go through it. And uh, we're going to have fun with that. But before we do that, can we do our offering? Can we give back to God as he has given to us? And we want you to fuel our vision here. Yesterday we went to uh, Enniskillen, uh, to the Lakes Vineyard. There was about 12 of us went down and uh, in the showers and the rain, but it was just a fantastic day. I partnered with Annette, and her and I led nine people to Jesus. Woo! Isn't that good? What, re- what really happened was Anne and Annette led nine people to Jesus. I, uh, I did absolutely nothing. <laughs> but it was just wonderful to see. And then, but, but one of the, I just want to tell you one quick story. We were packing up, we were going, and Annette was sitting down with this elderly gentleman, very conservative looking man. Uh, she sits down on a bench with him, just felt led to go over and talk to him. And the next minute, the man starts to weep and cry on his seat and bring out a, a handkerchief. So I just watched this for a moment. It sounds like Christian voyeurism, but it was, was good to watch. And, uh, and so I watched that for a moment and just to hear the story of a man, he had lost his wife 18 months ago. We're going to touch on some of this stuff today at Psalm 23. He lost his wife 18 months ago and just the grief was in his heart, the pain still there. But I just thought, man, isn't it wonderful that God brings us from Dungannon, connects us here in a day that's just chucking it down from the heavens. And this moment of sunshine, this man sits down, and that goes over to him, gets to pray with him, and he gets to share some of his grief. That was just, to me, I know nine people coming to faith is a wonderful thing, but that's also a wonderful thing. That's the kingdom come, and it's a kingdom among us. So welcome to Transformation, welcome to the vineyard. God is transforming lives in our community. And what I saw yesterday, I saw transformed people transforming lives in our streets. That was the message for me. We're seeing people and places transformed. We're seeing it here, near, and far. So it's just a great, great place to be in Dungannon and County Toronto at this time. But it's also, it's a wonderful time that we live in. God is making all things new. He really is. This morning, I want to give you hope in your heart. I want to, if you have any secret hope hidden there at all, I want to... I want to expose that this morning. I want you to, to get it out this morning, to start to hope again. And uh, he is making all things new. It's a big, big vision we have here in this community. It's a huge vision that the kingdom of heaven is just a forward momentum vision of God, that God is making all things new, that he is looking to spend all his time with humanity. God is wanting his dwelling place to be with us. So during the next five weeks, as we do transformation through baptism as we tell stories of Callie and Dunkirk next week where we see transformed people transform lives there. We're just in for a treat as we roll into June and we're going to use some famous what I would call classic texts in the scriptures. Last week we started Michelle told the famous story one of my favorite stories found in, in Luke 15 of the prodigal son or we could call it actually the prodigal God. How God comes and how he has compassion and he looks our way as we run towards him, he embraces us. And God, his intention is always to throw a party for his children. That's his game and that's his aim. So this week, I'm going to look at a very famous psalm, Psalm 23. Uh, usually when I hear this psalm, it's usually around a coffin. But this, this is a psalm for life. This is a psalm for today. This is a psalm for us in this moment. Uh, anybody remember our, we remember say we got really traditional for this last couple of weeks and we have a memory verse? Romans 12 too, does anybody know it? It's our, it's our, it's really easy. What is it? Be, by, okay. I was going to give you sweets, but I'm not going to give you sweets because that was, <laughs> to be honest, that was poor. 
Shall we put the words up for you? Put the words up. Do not conform. Pattern of this word, but be transformed, brethren, you if your mind. You knew that, right? You just didn't want to show off. Did anybody know it? Okay. Did you know it? Did you know it? Did you like a lint sweet? Would you like a load of lint sweets? So, Freddie Mercury was actually right, wasn't he? You know Freddie Mercury? He said we're all under pressure. We're under pressure. And when we look at our lives, we see the minefields of potential explosions. We're worried when we have more money than the month. Anybody there this morning? It's getting near the end of the month and you've got more month than you have money. <laughs> or you're just worn out by the stresses of the situation that you find yourself in today. Everybody's got a situation today and we're stressed out by those situations. We're stressed out. Some of us are stressed out about having to have that conversation. Anybody having to have that conversation this week? Nobody want to admit it. You're feeling under pressure about the next move that you have to make. Maybe it's a transition in your life. Maybe it's a, a job. Maybe it's career. Maybe it's a relationship transition that you're making. But stress is at the core of our lives and can be. But that's okay because stress is actually not a bad thing. Stress is just simply a threat, whether it's real or not. It's just something that we perceive. It's a threat perceived, whether it's real or not. And not all stress is bad. Whenever your body feels threatened by something, emotional, physical, spiritual, mental threat, stress, we respond. Our blood pressure goes up. I got mine checked yesterday. The lady told me to go and see the doctor this week. So... This is what it does for me, speaking on a Sunday morning. My blood pressure goes up, my heart pounds, and uh, the adrenaline gets going, our pulse quickens, and the adrenaline just shoots through your body, and we have all kind of psychological effects with stress. Ever been there? You want to hear a cool story? Can I tell a story? Can I tell a Star Wars story? Keep it short. So I thought I was going to be dad of the year last week. Micah, our middle boy, is just absolutely addicted to Star Wars and all kinds of movies. So he said, Dad, if Star Wars ever comes to Ireland, would you promise to take me to see Star Wars? And I said, yeah. Thinking, they're never going to come to Ireland, as in filming it. So he phones me on Saturday where we're doing a marriage seminar, phoned three times, phoned four times, phoned Michelle probably three times, and me four times. I thought there's an accident happening. Accidents do happen in our house. Matthew could put a BB gun through a window, which he has done. Um, <laughs> All sorts of things happen. And um, it usually starts with a phone call saying, there's a problem. And the stress goes up and the blood pressure gets high and the adrenaline kicks in. And so anyway, I said, what's wrong, Mike? And he says, Star Wars is filming in Donegal, but tomorrow's the last day. So I thought, well, I can't do that because we've got people to see and I've got church today and I'm a holy man. And Michelle says, when you make a promise to your kids, you make a promise. And we talk about family first, don't we? Family, church. Well, family, let's not do that. I mean, Jesus, sorry. Jesus, that's the big one, right? Jesus, family, church. We always talk about that. And so anyway, we set off to Donegal. It was half two. We got to Donegal. And of course, there's a roadblock on the road. The guard were there. We got into Malinhead. And I thought, oh, great. It's very quiet. Then we got to the roadblock. There was the guard. And I says, hey, where are you going? I says, do you see that pub up there? And he says, yeah. I says, that's where I'm going. Well, I was going. I was going to park up there. Don't judge me. And uh, so I thought, I've got past the pub. I'm sure I could get on a bit further. So I went up the next bar here, and they said to the guy, hey, um, what's the chances? He says, you have absolutely no chance. They're filming Star Wars around the corner. You have no chance of getting anywhere near it. So I said, where can I park? He says, you can park at the pier. Park at the pier. And uh, as we get to the pier, I said, Michael, what do we do now? Do we go home? Do we try? He says, Dad, let's jump over this gate. Well, I have a pair of skinny jeans on. <laughs> Heavy up top. I looked like an American. I wore a baseball cap and I had black jeans, black shirt and black Nikes. And so I'm trying to get over this gate looking cool. And so we get over the gate. We go over fields, over barbed wire. And, uh, and I found myself absolutely getting lost in the moment. All of a sudden, I no longer was just doing this for the sake of the kid. My mission was to see Star Wars that day. <laughs> And so I saw a yellow coat, and the yellow coat turns his back. As he turns his back, we jump over another fence and jump into another field, and we walk around the back of these houses. And I'm thinking, what if a farmer comes out? The farmers used to carry guns and stuff they got there. And so, uh, so we got away with that. And then we saw two more yellow coats. Two more yellow coats, and the, the guys turned their backs to us, and we're sitting in this hedge for 15 minutes. Operation Star Wars. <laughs> 
So what do we do now, Mikey? says, once those guys turn it back, we're making a run for it. So as the Lord would have it, the guys turned their back and started walking away in the distance and they disappeared. I think angels took them off somewhere. And so they disappeared. We jumped into the main road and we started walking. I said, do not say anything. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. As we walk and walk, we're going past this bar. People nod at us. I'm looking American. I'm trying to, I'm actually sounding American. I'm saying, hi. <laughs> and we walk past and there's a camera in the field and there's toilets and there's water. I think, we're on the Star Wars set. <laughs> Mike says, this isn't it, Dad. So we walk another two miles. We get to the, another two miles and there's a guard standing there. So the guard standing there says, lads, where are you going? And I says, Look, where do you think? And he says, you've no chance. I says, look how far we've come. He says, well, I'm not going to stop you, but there's security around the corner. You can go and do that. So we went around the corner, and uh, sure as anything, there's two more security guards there. Guy says, I says, where are you going? I says, well, I'm just going to the marquee, as you do. <laughs> Have a chat with Luke Skywalker, whoever's about there. And he says, no, have you got your pass? I says, you know what? I don't have a pass because I'm a pastor and a Christian. So he says, okay. And then this girl comes walking towards us. She was a girl from East Belfast. She jumped in the car that day. She was doing the same thing as us. So I says, what's the crack? She says, if you just go straight, we could probably get, a, get seen stuff. And so we went straight, had an argument with two more security guys. We went straight. And there was another yellow coat lying on the side of the mountain sleeping, as the Lord would have it again. <laughs> this guy's lying. He's sleeping. He's out cold. And I thought, if we just jump over this shuck, over this barbed wire, go around the back of this mountain, we're good. Now here's the part that I didn't tell you and everybody told us about this part. He says, whatever you do, do not go near this white house. This guy is a maniac. He has 52 guns and he's an absolute head of ball. If you go near that guy's land, he will shoot you or kill you. We're dead serious. Do not go near. So we went past the guy's house. Do not trespass. Not trespassing. Walked on past. Saw the mountain. Saw the sleeping security guard. He says, this has to be God. So went up beside the mountain. The guy's still sleeping. Walk around behind him. Me, Mike, and this guy. We walk up to the top of the hill. We look down and there's Star Wars. The whole shebang. This spaceship that they're building. And rigs. And I'm taking photos like crazy. And next minute I hear this young boy in a yellow coat, really nervous, we're talking about stress and adrenaline, he's shouting, get off, this man's going to kill you, get off the mountain. And I thought, he's just a young kid, it'll be okay. And I'm, still, I'm not missing this opportunity. Snap, and I said, Micah, this is great. Micah says, come on, Dad, let's get out of here, let's get out of here. He said, no, Micah, this is great. And next minute this man comes up in a yellow coat and he says, what are you doing on my land? And I said, we're just taking start. We're just uh, here to see Star Wars. And this guy is physically going to kill me. He is pumped with anger. The adrenaline's thrown on. And I realize very quickly that this is the guy from next door with the 52 guns. And I'm praying. And Mike is praying. Mike is going through a theological war with himself. He's thinking, we trespass. Will God answer our prayers? How legal is it? If we ask God to come, will God still come? Even though we've trespassed. And I'm praying that crazy. I'm saying, there has to be angels in this moment. And I kid you not, at one point I was going to say, in the name of Jesus, stop. The guy... <laughs> Because how we got off, so we aged, 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 got off it, and uh, finally got off his land. I don't know how we got off the mountain. We got off it over the barbed wire, got my good top caught in the barbed wire, and that for me is the disaster of all disasters. And then we got up the road. The guy's still following us, and he's shouting all the abusive names of the day. He's going to kill us and do this. And I thought, oh, great. We're and then I hear the walkie-talkie, and the walkie-talkie says, we've got the three trespassers of the guard are waiting for them at the bottom of the road. And I said to the guy, turn around, and I said, so what's the guard going to do? He says, they're going to arrest you for trespassing. I said, seriously, they're going to arrest us for trespassing? Anyway, that's the story. All I can say is this has nothing to do with Psalm 23. This is just showing you that my stress levels were through the roof. My heart was pumping. The adrenaline was going. My lips were dry. And I got into the car and I was like, it's here. <laughs> but as we drove out of Derry, the shaking started to lessen. And then Mike was saying, Dad, wasn't that brilliant? <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. Stress isn't really a problem. Stress gets us out of situations sometimes. And uh, Michelle, you know, stress saves our lives. Every time Michelle gets in a car with me, she gets an extra boost of energy when I'm driving. That's a good thing, right? Because we're alive and we're well. The problem is that when we have chronic stress in our lives, in your body, when it never shuts down, and most of us have that in our lives, when we have continued stress in our lives, it's not a good thing at all. Because hundreds and hundreds of scientific and medical studies have shown that chronic, chronic stress is actually dangerous for your life. And when God transforms our lives, when he transforms our lives, he not only transforms us spiritually and emotionally and mentally, but he wants to transform us physically too. He do, doesn't want us to live stressful lives. Because when you're living with stress, chronic stress, continued stress, that's not a good way to live. 
You're shut down. Your physical body will suffer. And not only that, your spiritual life actually also, it's deadly for your body, but it's also dangerous for your relationship with God the Father. Because here's what I notice when I'm totally stressed out, whether it's church life, family life, it's hard to hear the voice of God above it all. Do you ever find that when you're totally stressed? It's very hard to hear the voice of God in the midst of the stress. And the pressure, the pressure can actually blind us, can blindside us where we don't see what the Father's doing, where we feel alone, we feel afraid, and we feel helpless. And my hope this morning is if you are here this morning, you're a little tired, anybody a little tired, a little worn out, anybody a little worn out, a little stressed out, anybody a little stressed out, stressed out thinking, is he ever going to finish? Um, if you're that this morning, if you are here and you just feel like, you know, it just can't go on, then you've picked a good morning to be in church. It's, a good, it's always a good morning to be in church, but this is a particularly good one. I'm going to read from this famous, famous psalm, and then we're going to rattle through a load of things. We'll see how far we get. We'll take communion in the middle, and we'll go home, hopefully, a little stressed. Less stressed, sorry. <laughs> Before I read Psalm 23, here's some of the things that cause us stress in our society today. Worry. I mean, I know worry has always caused stress, but the reason worry is the number one now because we worry about more things than we did about 20 years ago. I worry about stuff that my parents never worried about. 20 years ago, you were not worried that your iPhone was not charged. You didn't go into somebody's house and say, have you got a wee bit of juice? Have you got a wee bit of power? Have you got a lead? We didn't have those types of conversations. In fact, not only were we not stressed, have you ever lost your phone? I mean, talk about the end of the world. I lost the phone in Portugal one time, not tell you that story. But I lost it in a whole different sort. Prayed God and we found it magical, magical, spiritual. God and his wonder brought the phone to me. I was stressed out. No, I don't even get stressed about losing my phone. I get stressed out when I forget my phone. The phone's in the house. What if somebody's looking for me today? Oh, I've left his phone in the house. Oh, somebody's... And then you end up going on your computer and you text somebody. You go on Facebook and say, I haven't got my phone with me today. So if you want to get in contact with me, get me do it. But I see that all the time. We're stressed out people. More people are more worried now because the stuff that we'd never worried about 20 years ago, we're worrying today because we live in an increasingly complex world. The world is just complex, isn't it? The stuff that you worry about today, you never, you know, whatever. Hurry. Man, is it not increasingly fast? It's coming June. I'm thinking Christmas. I don't know about you. Seriously, we had a conversation in our staff meeting on Monday about Christmas this year, and we are bringing reindeer to Dungannon. Be excited. Be very excited. The world is going faster. We live in a microwave nanosecond society, don't we? We live in a microwave nanosecond society. See how quick I can say that? Where everybody wants it now. We don't want it now. We want it yesterday. When somebody gives me a, a, a name for a book nowadays, I don't go to a Christian bookstore and look it up and say, could you get that? And then they say to me, oh, we don't have that in stock, but we can get it for you in two weeks. You know, I'm one click. Amazon, one click. There and then. I can have the first chapter read before somebody picks up the telephone. Well, not that fast to read it. But I can have the first two lines maybe read before somebody picks up a telephone and orders that book for me. Isn't that amazing? Speed creates stress. Faster and faster, faster life. But it creates... The, and then here's the big one that me and Michelle were talking about the other day. I don't know if you'll find any connection with this, but modern stress is, is all connected with multiple choice. Anybody got stress with multiple choice? And we, we have so many choices in life. And we think we're more free because we have more choices, but actually we're not more free. We're, more, we're actually more paralyzed by the more choices that we have. It actually creates indecision. I used to say I wasn't too, I used to be indecisive, but now I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, do you ever walk into a grocery store or a, a supermarket and somebody asks you to get toothpaste? I'm just thinking toothpaste. Toothpaste. Whitening toothpaste. Baking soda. Fresher, mintier taste toothbrush. Three colors in the toothpaste. Colgate. And so we go on and we go on and go on. And then you watch parents, some parents are just daft. They take their four or five-year-old kids into a supermarket or into a whole sweet shop and they say to the kids, just choose something. Just choose something. And then they say, hurry up. Hurry up. I mean, you're just daft. Don't make those, don't let your kids choose sweets in a sweet shop when they're four or five years of age and you're in a hurry. It's just daft. Choose something. There's like 20 million types of chews and bubblegum and, and whistles and... SARS and all this here, and you're saying, just choose something quickly, just choose something quickly. We live in a, in a society where multiple choice is just making our lives more and more complicated. And, and have you ever gone in for a coffee, not naming any particular coffee shop in town, but one time uh, I went to the States, and I was fascinated. People were asking for skinny lattes, extra hot temperature uh, with this and that on it. So I thought, oh, wow, I'm going to try that. So I says, could I have a skinny latte, extra hot? And he says, sure thing, what's the name? And I says, Jason. So out comes mine with the accent. Maybe it was the accent. So out comes my coffee. Uh, extra whipped cream for Jason Scott. 
sin. No, mate. No. Extra hot, not extra whipped. But somewhere we got lost in translation. But, you know, coffee, even ordering a coffee, if it's tall, if it's extra hot, if it's skinny, if it's not skinny, if it's tall, if it's grandy. I mean, it's just complicated, isn't it? And we just want coffee. But the modern society stresses out. So I want to read you Psalm 23 in that light. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, it runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. It's one of the most loved psalms in the scripture. Why is it? Because we're all emotionally connected to it. We've all got pictures of it. It gives us comfort and it has given people comfort for thousands and thousands of years. I would suggest that you take this psalm while you're living and don't really use it when you're dead. I'm not trying to be funny or facetious in any way. But this is a psalm for life. The psalm will reduce your stress levels. The psalm will give you hope. Hope. And life again. And so it's love because we can all we can all go through it. And we can all understand each of the metaphors. We're 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 helping to lower our stress. We mightn't realize it, but it's it, this here Sam is a model for stress management. Psalm twenty three is a model for stress for stress management. How many of you would like to be healthier? I would. I prayed for a ninety year old ninety eight year old man yesterday in in the town of Enniskill, and I says, "What can I pray for you?" He says, "I would like to see a hundred. Is that okay? Let's do that. People want to live longer. That was his prayer request. You see, it's, um, we want healthier bodies, but I want to say to you something that, uh, and you probably say, well, it's easy for you to say that. It's not always what we eat that makes us unhealthy. It's what's actually eating us that makes us physically unhealthy. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not always what we eat that makes us unhealthy, but it's actually what's eaten at us can make us physically unwell. And we've all maybe experienced that at some point in our life. And, and, and there's another way that the scriptures say that in Proverbs 40, 30. Sorry, let me, let me read you. It says, peace of mind makes the body healthy. And then the New Living Translation says, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. There you go. It's not a promise, but it's a proverb. So I'm going to give you some habits that might reduce our stress this morning. In Psalm 23, the passage, I want to just tear it apart line by line if we can do that. See how far we get. And there's some spiritual habits here that will reduce our stress. And... I want to talk about worry first because I think we all need it for worry. I mean, we're just, we're all worried out. Any, anything that you expect from other people, is there? Is there anything that you're expecting from other people today? But instead of God meeting that, it just causes worry and stress. If there's anything that you're expecting from others instead of God, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be disappointed and you're not, you're not, they're not going to be able to measure up. Please do not put stuff on people. People will never measure up to your expectations. I want to say this because in a simple, nobody can meet all your needs. I'm 20 years married. I have a healthy marriage. I have a great marriage. I say Michelle's my best friend. I'm not trying to be cheesy. But Michelle can't meet every one of my needs. I mean, she meets a good lot of them, and God's put her on earth to do that. Uh, but only God can meet all of my needs, emotional needs and my spiritual needs. And, we, and, we, and she helps along with that. But So the first thing I want to t- talk about this morning, you might want to write this down if you do take notes this morning, because I'm going to talk about a load of stuff this morning, see how far we get. We'll get finished on time. I'm going to make that promise. We look to God to meet all our needs. That's the first thing David says. He says, God who meets our needs. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's a pretty good place to be. And that's a really good place to be in this 21st century. Is it the 21st century? Good. Change in your life, you, you stop, there's this, this single change. If we could do this, it would stop a lot of worry and stress in our life, you know, where people are meeting their needs. If you'd stop looking to your husband, if you'd stop looking to your wife to meet your needs, your stress would go down dramatically. How's that? That's a good deal this morning. Stop putting your security in things that you can lose. Lord's my shepherd, I have all I need. I shall not want. That's an amazing type of scripture, isn't it? Maybe you think this morning that we're overdoing it, that we're overpromising. 
And then Romans 8 says this, Since God did not spare even his own son for us, but he gave him up for us, won't he also surely give us everything else we need? I wrestled a wee bit with that scripture this week, to be honest with you. And the logic here is obvious. God's enough. That's, that's the logic this morning. God's enough. You don't, need, you don't need to live by the praise of men. I love what Bill Johnson says. Bill Johnson says, if we don't live by the praise of men, then we don't die by the criticism of men. Isn't that smart? If we don't live by the praise of men, then we're not going to die by the criticism of men. People are quick to praise, but people are also quick to criticize, aren't we? Especially in this country. What is it about us in this country? Oh, we'll see how far he gets. Huh? Your man's doing well, then. <laughs> Any wonder he's doing well. Let's just leave a wee bit of doubt there. A wee bit of pessimism. Just load it up a wee bit of guilt. Stack it up. Hmm? It'll never work. You're mad even trying. The logic is always God is enough. If he sends Christ to die on the cross, if he loves you enough to, to do that, then I think he loves you enough to take care of you. I really do think that. I'm not trying to do the hard faith thing this morning, but I think that God can meet every other need in my life. Do you? I mean, it's, it's a real honest question. It's a tough question, but I want to ask you the question. Do you really believe that God can meet every other need in your life? So the first thing that we do is that we don't live by the praise of men and we don't die by their criticism. And we, we understand that God could possibly meet my needs. He could meet my emotional needs, my physical needs, my spiritual needs. So David says, I'm not going to look to other people. I'm in a situation where I'm not looking to other people. In fact, David was in a, in a lot of situations where he just couldn't look to other people. He was just actually out on his own. If ever was a guy that could be stressed and should be stressed, it's David. Everywhere he turns, he's looking over his shoulder, every situation, hiding in a cave, enemy after him, people deserting him, people criticizing him. I mean, he just had a very, very hard life. So the first step, here's what he's saying, the first step to stress reduction is actually worship. That's what we're saying here. When we're refocusing our needs on people and we're refocusing ourselves on God, that's what worship is. When you refocus, when you refocus on God, that he would meet your needs, and that is actually, that's worship. Isaiah 30, 15 says, The sovereign Lord says, Only in returning to me and waiting for me will you be saved. In quietness and in confidence is your strength. Isn't that funny? Where's your strength? It's not a trick question. i just give you the answer. In quiet and confidence, your strength is found there. Isn't that cool? That's worship it's all about. And so, that, that's really smart. It's not saying in anxiety and fear, not in hard work or good planning, not in self-motivation or po- positive mental attitude. It's saying, in quietness and in confidence, your strength. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In fact, I want to make you this, and I, I want to make this an affirmation in your life today. Every time you start to get stressed out, would you pause and say this this week? Because stress is coming. Right? That's not prophesying doom and gloom. Stress comes. Monday morning brings its own stress. When stress comes, would you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Could we say that? Let's just pretend we're Church of Ireland or something. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. And that's like, let's pretend we mean it. We'll do it one more time. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. Then you go to the second thing, and, it's, and I want to make this an offer to you this morning. And I've always banging on about this, but I know that you don't do it because you don't believe it. Some of you do, but you need to believe and you need to receive God's instruction about rest in your life. Rest. You need to obey God's instruction about rest. Much of you, many of you, me, myself included at times, we come stressed because our lives are hurried. Always working too much. Always feeling like you've got too much to do. That's why you're, you're overworked. You never, you never feel caught up. Do you ever feel like you're caught up? Can I borrow your phone, Michelle? Because how many of you feel like you never get caught up? True confessions. You never get caught up. Even Do you ever have a great week and you just think, oh, absolutely finished. I've nailed it this week. Everything's out of the road and then something else comes up, doesn't it? This is Michelle's phone. You can't see it. But this is the reason I wanted to see it. Michelle has... Um, she has emails on her phone. She has 2,000, 
700, and I didn't, we didn't talk about this before I came out. I just knew that she would have something over a thousand, but I didn't think she had this many. And, and after the conversation we had this week, I said, I, did you not read that email? And she says, I didn't see it. But you didn't see it because you've got 2,732 unread emails on your phone. You need to sort your life out. What if it were possible to experience deep rest? Guys, listen to me seriously. What if it was possible to experience deep rest? What if it was possible to have one day that could safeguard the rest of our lives? That's a big claim, isn't it? One day to safeguard the rest of our lives. Who's up for that? One day. Take one day that would safeguard the rest of your lives. And and every seven days, our spiritual, our emotional, our physical batteries need to be recharged. I would say this is not a good this is not just a good idea. This is a safeguard for sustainability in your life. It's sustainable in your church life, your spiritual life, your relational life, your working life. This is this is not just a good idea, it's a safeguard. And this is one of the ways we avoid stress and burnout. At the heart of this, at the heart of Jesus' message, there is this you need to have an awareness. You need to be interested in sharing rest, and he's interested in you sharing, sorry, his rest and not the rules. When Jesus talks about Sabbath, it's not about the rules that he's sharing with you. It's actually the rest that he's sharing with you. He's saying if you want to be sustainable, then rest. Jesus did it all the time. Think about it. If God wanted to create human beings without need for sleep, he would have done that. He creates sleep for us to rest. And I said it before, and let me say it again. In the Hebrew world, the night or the day doesn't begin in the morning, and the day begins in the night when you lay your head to rest. Isn't that powerful? That's saying, I'm trusting you. The day begins when I lay my head down and I go to sleep, and that's when my day begins. And you've got no, no power over that unless you're an insomniac. Man, if, if only God... Did you ever hear people say, if only God gave me a few more hours in a week, if only God could give me a few more days in a month, if only God could give me a few more weeks, what would you do with that? You'd just pile it up again, wouldn't you? And they said, if only God would give me another few days, if only God would give me another few months, if only God would give me another few years. And what would you do with that? You'd only pile it up again, wouldn't you? You'd have 8,726 emails unread. God wants us to learn the importance of rest. Rest is important. God rests. God modeled it. Didn't need it, but he modeled it. On the seventh day, God rested. Why did he rest? Was he tired? I don't believe God was tired. God is a creative being. He's still creating. God is the most creative. We are creative, but the only reason we create, we create out of something he creates out of nothing. He's really creative. Do you understand that? Originality is very hard to find, isn't it? That's why Solomon says, but Solomon was a depressed man. I don't totally agree with him. That's why Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. But well, you've got to take into consideration that he was very depressed at that time. But what he's, what he's meaning is it's very hard to find originality. We're all finding it hard to find originality. But we don't need to panic or stress ourselves out about finding find originality. Because God creates out of nothing, then we create out of something. So relax. He wants us to learn the importance of rest. He doesn't get tired. He says, every seventh day, rest he modeled it. The Bible is filled with instruction about rest and recreation and relaxation. You know, right up there with the big ten, and, and I think it's hilarious, you know those big scary ten commandments? You know those, the high moral bar, like don't murder somebody? You know that big high moral bar that you could trip over? Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. You know that high bar for people, for Christians? It's high, isn't it? He says Rest. Rest is in there with those big ten. It's important. And so the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. I shall not want. I shall not want. But then he goes on to say that he, he what? He leads us. He leads us. He makes us lie down. He wants to make us rest. He wants us to rest for our good. And so it's, it's for your benefit, not, not some rule. It's for your benefit so that you don't burn out. Yet today, in our modern society, people aren't even doing that. Even on their day off, they're, they're working. You know, they say they're resting, but you're not really. Even on your day off, you're doing 100 million things. You know what? Do you remember when we used to have a weekend? Do you remember that? Remember when the shops all closed on a Sunday? And I'm not preaching about uh, open and closing hours. If you're a retailer, please do not send me an email or anything about, you know, do I have a problem with that? In fact, my Sabbath is not a Sunday because here I am. I'm prepping. I'm doing this sort of stuff. And, I'm, and so it's... Not really work. I enjoy it. I love what I do, but it's work. So I take a Sabbath on a Saturday. Right? And we need to we need to learn that we need to learn that write this down. My best requires rest. It's that simple. But your best requires rest. 
You want to be the best salesman. You want to be the best parent. You want to be the best dad. You want to be the best employee. You want to be the best father, husband. Rest. I made a Bible college. I was so stressed. I came out of school at 16. I hadn't that qualification to my name, really. And all these guys were telling me, well, when they were finishing, they were going to do their masters. They were going to be professors. And I was stressed in the 90s. So I pushed myself really hard. I finished up with a 4.0 that year, which works out about a 98% grade point average in every subject. It was just the Lord, but I worked really hard, just to let you know. So I'm not just stupid, Nigel. I've got smarts up here. I know stuff. And I read the newspapers. What's the news? I know stuff. But I remember one time I was really stressed and the best word of advice I ever got from a, one of the lecturers, a professor at spirituality, he says to me, Jason, the best thing you could do is go up to your dorm, close your curtains and lie down and sleep. I said, really? I'm working from 8 to 12 and I've got assignments. No, close the curtains and sleep. Your best requires rest. Even in the busy seasons, you have an excuse, don't you? We all have excuses. You may, have, you may have taxes in April. and what Can you take a day off in April? You can't take a day off in April because your taxes are due, right? If you're an accountant. You may be a retailer. Imagine taking a day off near Christmas season. Imagine taking a day off. There's a retailer at Christmas time. You can't do that, can you? What about the caravan people? Not picking on anybody in particular. <laughs> Just joking. Or am I? Completely rest. Even during the season of plowing and harvest, you rest, you rest, you rest. Teachers, teachers, most stressed out people I know, put your hand up if you're a teacher. No te- have they all left the profession? Teacher, <laughs> teacher, teacher. Hey, I mean, you just can't, can't take a day off. You've got to get marked up. You've got to, you've got to get caught up. You can't, you've got to get ahead of the thing. You can't take, there's, no possible, there's no possible way that you could take a full week off. Your best requires rest. And so there's three things that I want you to, uh, you might want to write this down. Still take a day off, eh? Rest your body. You need to rest your body. It's physical rest. I love Sunday afternoons now that my boys are growing up. I love the Sunday afternoons, confessions of a pastor, when we have nobody over. But I'm really looking forward to the people that are coming over this (laughs) afternoon. I love sleeping in the afternoon. I really love sleeping on Sunday afternoon. Take a rest, refocus my spirit, rest my body on Sabbath and refocus my spirit. What is that? It's, that's worship. Just refocus again. Refocus your life. It's corporate. The weekend thing again, I wish we could get back to heaven. Do you know what I love? I'm not trying to be a, an old-fashioned. I'm, like, I'm not old-fashioned, am I? But like I'm 45, right? But wouldn't it be great if we had a weekend and people came to church on a Sunday? I mean, it's just a dream of mine. I know it's far out there, but... You know, if we, if we did stuff on a Saturday, we took a day off and then we took a rest on a Sunday and we went to church and we focused on worship and we, caught, we gathered around the scriptures and prayer and then we, we did family life together again. Wouldn't that be like a really old-fashioned, like an old money kind of throwback Sunday? Huh? As they say. Have I annoyed anybody? <laughs> Please don't be annoyed. Recharge your emotions. That's what recreation does. It recharges. Recreation recharges. It recharges your emotion. Different things recharge different, different people. For you, it could be, I don't know, beauty, music, whatever. I heard a guy say to his pastor one time, he says, I can't get a hold of you in your day off. The pastor says, that's because it's my day off. I know the Christian language. He's, some idiots always say this one, don't they? The devil never takes a day off. Well, my reply would be, if you don't let me take a day off, I might just be the devil. And you wouldn't want to fool me. The Lord is my shepherd. He, he, he makes me lie down. If I've got any time at all left. Recharge my soul with beauty. Is the third thing. Because he leads us to, to green pastures. And that's just talking about beauty. And for you, that can be, for me, the beauty is in a city. Really. For Michelle, it's in barrenness and nothingness like Donegal. How she gets there, I do not know. There's no people. There's no nothing. How do you find beauty in water and hills and streams? Some people do it, don't they? Weird people do it. They find beauty in, 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 in climbing mountains and doing all sorts of weird things on your 50th birthday. But I'll tell you this, and I'm being straight with you, ugliness stresses people. Ugliness stresses people and beauty inspires. 
Beauty encourages, beauty motivates, beauty stirs up positive emotions in your life. Doesn't it? That's why he tells, see, where are you, where are you? Like, I used to say, and I've stopped saying it because I've got a lot of rebuke. I used to talk about this dust ball of a planet, but then I got it. Some bad email and some bad vibes from a lot of people in this church. Rhonda Smith being one of them. Because of the, well, there's another one. <laughs> which happens to be my son, if you're visiting with us. So it's not a dust ball of a planet because it's full of water. It's something you'd learn something every day. But it is a beautiful thing. The earth is a beautiful thing and I've now learned. Rhonda, thank you for bringing that to my attention. It's just changed my life in a positive way. <laughs> and we've come a long way from the Garden of Eden, but God is still restoring all things. Romans, Revelation 5. It is not God's plan to burn out the planet. God's plan, God's plan is to make all things new and move into the neighborhood. That's what God's doing. He's making all things new. Beauty is part of God's thought. Beauty is part of his idea. He loves beauty. He loves to create stuff. That's what all the stuff that we've seen around us, all the sights, all the sounds, all the smells, whether it's coffee or food or craft beer, whatever you're into, whether it's flowers, whether it's painting, whether it's music, it's all good things. Do you know that you can live without music physically and you can live without art? But emotionally, do you know that there's more books written about Jesus than any other subject? Did you know there's more paintings about Jesus than any other subject? Did you know that people are writing sounds and songs about Jesus more than any other subject? Why? Because we can't live without creativity and beauty emotionally. It's called worship. We're focused, we're refocusing. There's something within the human heart, there's something in the human spirit that wants to create and wants to sing. Man, you can go anywhere in the world. You can go to India, you can go to Africa, you can go to tribes, and there's something within the human soul that automatically wants to do a rhythm, that wants to play a drum, that wants to create something that, that makes something beautiful, whether it's a painting or a tapestry or whatever it is, because it's within the human spirit to create something beautiful, because you cannot live without beauty. You need art and you need music and you need coffee and you need cakes, whatever you need. Whatever is beautiful in your life, you need that to live on. And it reduces our stress because ugliness always stresses us out. That makes sense? Are you convinced? I'm convinced. God gave us this stuff for one reason, to express emotion. That's the only purpose of it. You don't need it physically. I've said that. You don't need it physically, but you need it to express yourself emotionally. God gave us music and all that stuff just to express emotionally our lives to him. So let this place be filled with artists and musicians and let this nation rise rich again with the creative storytellers and the poets. Yeah, the sculptors. Do you know when the Holy Spirit was first mentioned in the scripture? It was around the creative people. It was around the tradesmen and around the craftsmen. Olab, the Spirit of God was on them to create to create beauty. And I pray that the wonderful Holy Spirit would stir something in our hearts, that we would begin again to create something beautiful in our towns, in our cities, in our streets, in our workplaces, in our schools. Because ugliness stresses people out. You know, just this is just a word of advice for some of you this morning. I'm going to finish in the next couple of minutes, so relax. A lot of you guys, and it's not for everybody because I'm not, I'm not prescribed. We don't prescribe anything. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in responsibility. And I believe that Jesus speaks to you if you know him. And even if you don't, he still speaks to you. In fact, that's just stupid to say that God doesn't speak to people who don't know him. Some of you need to stop watching the news. Some of you need to stop and just fill in your mind full of stuff that stresses you out, like reading newspapers and news. Not for everybody, but for, for some of you, it's just stressing you out. My advice, if it's stressing you out, guess what? Give it a rest, because you'll not change it by watching it. You'll not change the situation by just watching it on the news anyway. And guess what? Even if you're resting, it's still going to be there. It's always going to be new, new news on Monday morning. It's always going to be new news. It's not even lasting a week nowadays. News lasts 24 hours. Who is Mourinho? Who cares? He restores my soul. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he stills me beside calm waters. What's that for you? Well, for me, it's Stangmore Park as the meadows. The Argery is my still waters. What's yours? It's a genuine question. You can actually talk back to me this morning. Isn't that a weird church? Where's your green pastures this morning? Don't say Balamina. Oh, was a joke. Where's your green pastures? Rhonda, where's your Port Stewart Strand, except on a Sunday? Where's your still waters? Have you found them yet? You should find them. The morns, find the beauty. 
Go to God for guidance is my fourth point, and I'm finishing on the eighth point very soon. But man, we are so stressed up by trying to find information. And some of you right now, you're, you're wavering. You're at a fork in your road, whether it's a transition in your life. I don't know what's happening in your life today, but there's a transition in your life. There's a fork in the road. Maybe you have multiple options. Maybe you find that you have very little options, and stress is killing you now. You can't decide whether to get on with this or get off with that or go either way. You can't work that one out, and you've got too many choices. I want to say this morning, don't go to the news. Don't go to the self-help books, but actually go to the one who gives wisdom. James 1 says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God gives it liberally to him or gives it to him in great abundance and it says he gives generously and graciously God is waiting to give you wisdom this morning he gives it graciously and he gives it generously if you want wisdom this morning I would say if you've got decisions to make if you're in a fork in the road if you're most of us are stressed out with decision making aren't we I mean, this week we're trying to find out places to stay for Caleb going to university. I thought he could live with me. I don't see any reason why he needs to head off to Belfast and spend a fortune. He could stay in our house and travel up every day and me and you could hang out the weekends. It would be a beautiful relationship. <laughs> no, he wants to fly his wings and head off. So we're looking at places to stay. What do we do for this? What do we do for that? You know, we're all these, all these modern complexities that we're facing every day. Worry, 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 worry. And where do you get your wisdom from? Where do you get your understanding from? We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's not just something cool to say. It just, sometimes it sounds like Star Wars, doesn't it? We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means that we think differently. It means we have the wisdom of God. If we ask, he gives it to us and he helps us make the right choice. He guides me in the path of righteousness even for his own name's sake. He guides me in a path of righteousness, the right way to walk. Can I finish with one, one more and then we'll take communion together? Could we do that? This is the last one. There's so many more we could talk about this morning. We could pull this psalm apart a little more, but I want to buy trust in God in the dark valleys this morning. Trust God in the dark valleys. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and staff to comfort me. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff to comfort me. You'll go through many of these dark valleys in your life. One of the common sources of stress is actually loss, right? Loss. You can lose your job. You can lose your income. You can lose your money. You can lose your health. You can lose your reputation. You can lose a loved one. We all go through many losses in life. And when you go through loss, there's two common reactions whether it's your reputation, whether it's your money, whether it's a loved one, whether it's um, whatever it is, two things that happen in those transitions and those reactions. One is fear and the other is grief. I want to say to you this morning that grief is a good thing. Grief helps us to transition life seasons. Fear is not a good thing. Grief is okay. In fact, if you don't get grief, if you don't have grief and you've lost something, you're stuck. Some of you have had major loss in your life in the past and you've never grieved over it, whether it's a loved one, whether it's reputation, whether it's loss of money, whether it's loss of friends or whatever it is, and you've never grieved over it. I'm not here to open a can of worms today, but I'm here to help you get unstuck. Fear is not going to help you get unstuck, but grief will. Grief will help you transition life. Jesus was acquainted with us. He knew grief and he knew sorrow. So I think it's legal. If Jesus can grieve and be sorrowful, then we can grieve too. Jesus was not a man of fear. He was a man of grief. Right? And so grief helps us to make the transition. When stuff, when we get stuck, it's that emotional stage of life when we get stuck. And if we just bury the grief, we never move forward. If it's a loss, we never move forward. And you know what actually happens when you don't deal with grief? Fear comes in anyway. Fear will automatically make its entrance. Fear loves to invite itself. Fear is not waiting to be invited. Fear would just love to come into your life and paralyze your life. But grief will help you get over that. And I'm not just talking today about getting emotional. I'm talking about actually dealing with stuff. Stop pushing the pain down. Just grieve and let it go. That's the word of the Lord to some of you this morning. It's not going to, it's not going to kill you. Grief will not kill you. Let it out. It's good for you. It's how you go through the transition of life. And then you get unstuck. So, on the other hand, fear is a bad thing, right? Not once does the Bible say, grieve not. 
Sorrow not. Right? Weep not. Cry not. Ecclesiastic says, weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. Celebrate with those who are joyful. The ancient scriptures tell us, do not fear. 365 times it tells us, do not fear. It's one for every day of the year. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Not once in the Bible does it tell us not to, to grieve. So what do we do? We grieve. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I fear no evil. I don't fear anything. Why? For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Remember, he's using the shepherd metaphor. So shepherd and sheep shepherds always carry a rod and a staff. Always carry a rod and a staff. And there are two tools that will be used to protect the sheep, right? They ward off the wolves and they protect the sheep. And he says, I'm going to... I'm not going to stress out about this because my God is a protector. He's a helper. He's going to wade off and he's going to fend off. I'm going to trust in God in the dark valleys. I will walk through the valley of the shadow. And some of you may be going through a valley of the shadow right now. Maybe it's a valley of the shadow of death. Maybe the valley of the shadow of debt. Maybe the valley of the shadow of conflict. Maybe the valley of the shadow of bad relationship. Maybe the valley of unhappiness. Maybe it is the the valley of fear. There's a shadow there in your life, but the, the good news is a shadow is a shadow. Sounds daft, Jason. What do you mean by that? But shadows are always bigger than the source. Don't they? You ever see your shadow? I look like 11, 8 stone and 7 foot tall. I wish. But it's not the reality. The shadow. The shadow is not the reality. The shadows are always bigger than the source And it makes them look bigger than they really are in life. And that's a very important thing to remember. But here's the good news. Wherever there's a shadow, guess what needs to be? You can't have a shadow without. So you don't focus on the shadow. You focus on the. Who's the light? Jesus. It's that Sunday school answer, isn't it? Jesus. Yes. Another sweet. No sweets left. Jesus is the light of the world. We focus on Jesus and so many of us want to focus on the shadow. You know, if a shadow of a truck goes over you, you're okay. But if a truck goes over you, you're not okay. And this is what some of you need to know today. You don't need to know the answer for everything in life. There's shadows, but we don't need to know the answer about everything that we go through because God knows and we want to stick to the light. When I'm ready to give up, he knows what I should do. Psalm 142. When I'm ready to give up, when the shadow is there and I'm ready to give up, he knows just what to do. When I'm ready, he says he knows what to do. God's timing is a good, good thing. So the shadows are always bigger than the source. And if you go through the valley of the shadow of death, focus on the light. It lowers your stress. There's always light there. So we're going to turn our back in the shadow this morning. Can we stand? We're going to look at the light. And when you look at the light, do you know what you do? You walk through the valley of the shadow. We're trusting God in the dark days. And when we do that, that will reduce our stress. No end.